Hello, and welcome to Makers.dev episode number 38. Chris, what's up? Not too much, except for I start my master's program this week. So Woo! that is my, yeah, that's my big week. That's very exciting. Yeah, uh, I don't have access to the classes yet, but I can log into the, the platform and see them. And uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm getting ready to do that. That's exciting. Uh, that also means this is the last week of my job, my summer visiting software developer job. Um, so I'm wrapping that up. I'm trying to get the code in a good place and document it well and all that stuff. So yeah, that uh, that's that's my week. It's exciting. Does it feel like getting back to school week? Are you, are you going to Walmart and getting binders and <laughs> pencils? And... Uh, no, I mean, we just sent our kids back to school. So I feel that a little for the kids. But uh, no, this feels this feels more like starting a new like online class. It doesn't really feel like starting a whole new master's program because I'm not going anywhere, right? It's mm. just like, it feels like starting a new class that happens to have you know, a forum online and people that are going to grade my work, you know? So, uh, but yeah, it doesn't really feel like school actually, which is interesting. That's less exciting. Something I always <laughs> used to get excited about when starting a new chapter of school was the people that I would be exposed to like, ah, mm -hmm. who's in these classes and I'm going to be sitting next to them. And, oh, I have this friend who's in this class who was in this other class before. And yeah, that's not really something you get from online classes. Uh, I've in the, the Ali Abdal class that I took earlier this year, I feel like if there was more of a curriculum around that, if, if there was like, okay, this is one class in this genre, but okay, now a bunch of these people are also going to learn, I don't know, editing and Final Cut Pro or online marketing. Or, oh, and here's here's a bunch of the same people. Um, I'd feel sort of the same way, but online classes don't quite have that culture that in-person classes do. And I'm, I'm not quite sure what it would take to replicate that. Um, yeah. How do you feel about stuff with Open Door? Did you accomplish everything you wanted to accomplish were you grossly optimistic or pessimistic in what you were setting out to do uh hid, hidden door and hidden door. uh yeah it was it, yeah a little a little both i suppose um i we set out to accomplish a certain thing and then you know through the summer like uh certain things went either were more complicated or less complicated than we thought so mm -hmm. we're ending in a little different place than we thought but i think it's a really good place um some things happened to work really really well and so like i did better at some things than i thought i was going to do and then other things um so one of the things that happened is they're in the middle of a play test right now which is like they're beta, basically beta testing with some players and that took a lot of their effort to get that going and so mm -hmm. some of the things we were going to do i think were sort of put off because they were focused on this play test um, but that's okay that allowed me to focus on some other things which i think are going to turn out really well for them so mm -hmm. uh yeah i learned a lot and hopefully they get a lot out of it too so I think overall, yeah, positive. Cool. Positive experience. I was reminded of you and this project uh, with Hidden Door. Open Door is the uh, consulting thing or like comparing salaries on jobs or something. Uh, oh, yeah. I think, yeah. 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 Uh, I, I played D&D &D with my siblings last night uh, and it was great. My brother-in-law DM'd and he's a fantastic storyteller. But I don't know what it is about D&D. &D. It seems like the sort of thing that I should love based on what I know about D&D &D and what I know about things that I like. And I've tried so many different things and different people that I'm playing with and different play styles and uh, things that are more like creative and things that are more uh, combat based. Every time I play D&D, &D, I just cannot make it interesting for myself. It's just like 20 minutes in. I'm just like, okay, and this is going too slowly to be capturing my full attention. So I am checking out. Uh, and it's, it's a struggle for me to, to remain present. But I thought of you in this project because it seems like an interesting experiment for me to try would be what if I was just interacting with a computer that was the DM and I could sort of just go like as fast as I could think of new things to do. Uh, that 
that seems like it would be capturing my attention much more is that I, I think I think your scope for this project was more limited. It was like, come up with the uh, list of things that players can do. Uh, is that the sort of use case that you think this would eventually be useful for of uh, playing regular Dungeons and Dragons, but way faster than you usually would? <laughs> um, that's an interesting take on it. I think what they're going for more is, so you have a group of friends who wants to play a game and it's it's not necessarily it doesn't have to be like you know dungeons and dragons themed um it can be just about anything you want that's the beauty of the ai part mm-hmm. and you're you're sort of co-creating the the world with this ai and so it's it's providing an outlet for like tweens so 9 to 12 year olds creativity while doing it with a group of friends and so i think that's what they're really going for um what you're talking about is a slightly different take which almost all the same technology applies but it's like for adults who want to play D and D but don't like the you know sitting around for three hours talking about <laughs> your your characters or whatever, yeah. um, which I also think is a very valid use case, but it's not one they're going after at, le- at least right now. Okay, yeah. cool. Maybe a, maybe a spinoff yeah. in the future. Uh, I I I do think that... I'm going to make some D and D stuff. Of just I want to make sort of more of a hybrid video game D and D thing where I don't know maybe that maybe the exploration part of it is virtual and but the DM has control over this virtual world so he can spawn in enemies or adjust their uh, health and stats and uh, cause environmental things to happen. It's a thing I've been chewing on for a while. Yeah, there. So there is actually a VR game which you might be interested oh. in then, and I can't remember the name of it, so I will look it up later. But it it feels a lot like D and D. You have characters, then there's like bosses, and you're put in a level, and it's collaborative, so you can do it with your friends, and you're all together. Um, it's a sit down game, and you basically move your characters. You have like cards for power ups and attacks and stuff, and uh, your goal is basically to make it through a dungeon, you know, to the door. And um, yeah, so we played that one. That took four characters about it was almost an hour to go through the whole thing but it didn't feel that long it felt um it felt pretty good so yeah i would i would look at that game and i can't remember the name of it which but we'll put it in the show notes that sounds uh, so great. yeah look at something in vr especially would be so much more immersive and i feel like would capture a lot more of my attention yeah cool i'm, I'm excited to to try that out uh what else is going on what else were you up to this last week any more AI competitions? Any, are you tackling another industry like GPS again? <laughs> Learning how submarines work or something? Yeah, no. Well, so, yeah. So I started two of them. Um, I, I started one. So one was a brain scan competition on Kaggle. Yeah. Um, and they had brain scan images. And it was it was not predicting if someone had a tumor or not. But given that they had a tumor, it was predicting the presence of... So methylated MGMT. I think mm. I'm saying that right. Um, and... It like basically is a predictor of survival, and it also um, tells the doctor like what drugs to give. Hmm. And the way that they figure it out now is they take like that piece of your brain, and it takes like eight days or something to get the results. But if they had, a, if they could do it from a scan, then they could start giving you the drugs immediately, and hmm. um, they wouldn't have to take a piece of your brain. And so, um, but I I don't know if it's possible. <laughs> oh. I I. Yeah, or at least very well. So, so I, I, I went into that. I did a bunch of stuff. Nothing really worked. And then on the discussion forums, a lot of people were having a lot of trouble. Um, so I decided to skip that competition and go to a different one, hmm. which is uh, it's run by the NFL. And they want to determine um, basically how many times someone's helmet hits someone else <laughs> to basically t- like track brain damage or you know like yeah. like brain hits and so they're uh, based basically based on videos of plays can you figure out which helmet belongs to which person <laughs> and so yep so that is the current one that i'm in 
amazing. Yeah. So that's what I'm doing. I'm reminded of uh, one of our listeners, Qubit, I think, does uh, something in the realm of analyzing video footage from games and uh, figuring out statistics based on that. So maybe this is a project that he put up there so that could be uh, he can get that information. I'm struck by the the breadth of different projects in different areas that mm. you're sort of using the same skill set to solve. Like you're going from making a slightly more immersive children's game where they can tweens can have a little more fun to you know solving problems of making gps more accurate to figuring out for brain scan victims in the medical industry the amount of methylated mgmt that they have in their brains for to be able to diagnose them to you know keeping track of uh head injuries like my gosh if you told me I don't know, 50 years ago that the same person with the same skill set was jumping between these industries and you asked me what I thought they might be doing, I'd be like, I don't know, <laughs> are they a janitor? Do they Are they just like cleaning the bathrooms of all these places? Like, I can't possibly think of what the commonality is between these different uh, sets of problems. Uh, it, it feels like it's, it, it would have felt like it was very human specialized expertise of like, you got to really know a lot about this this area and there's, you know, unless... Unless you're, or maybe an accountant, I guess an accountant would also sort of be touching all those areas. But uh, it, it's kind of wild that you're able to jump between such different projects at the level of being useful. Like for, for figuring out methylated MGMT, like you are at the level of a healthcare provider or a pathologist or like a radiologist or someone uh, who's providing the value that they that they need right there it's not like you're an accountant who's just oh i'm cleaning up some uh you know i'm I'm freeing up more time so that the specialist can do more work you're like doing the work and you're doing the work at the level of the expert in many different fields it's it's amazing (laughs) like this is i I say this almost every week but I, i feel very affirmed that like ai is a very useful place to be investing uh energy into and not to mention like I could imagine you jumping onto comma AI and, and making cars drive themselves. That's that's the same sort of skill set that uh, you'd be, need to be able to do this. And uh, oh, th- this is a fantastic transition into uh, Tesla's AI day. I would love to talk about their uh, yeah. Tesla bot that they did. Like, but that that's <laughs> another project that you could just I feel like jump onto. And now all of a sudden you're solving uh, home work that needs to be done and making it so that humans don't need to do laundry or cook or clean again. Like how cool (laughs) you're you're specializing in making artificial intelligence it's it's neat (laughs) it's it's really cool that you're able to do that yeah it's uh yeah i think so too that's why i'm doing it right (laughs) um it's i mean to be fair like programmers could you know easily fit into this category too you know programmers Mm -hmm. can go in any category and solve any category problem kind of based on the same uh you know knowledge but yeah it's so it, it used to be say 20 years ago that people would specialize in like you know either text or vision or whatever mm-hmm. um now it's all kind of the same algorithm mm-hmm. um or the same algorithm set of algorithms and all you need is data and apply this algorithm you know these algorithms that you know and then you get your answers out um also to be fair like i tried the, the brain scan one and i could not get it much better than guessing and so mm-hmm. i am not cut out for that one apparently uh, or maybe you know if i spent three months on it maybe i would be I, I don't know but um i got further with the nfl one faster mm-hmm. and so that's why i'm i'm picking that one um but yeah i, th- I think it's it's very 
very neat that I can use the same techniques in lots of different fields. Um, I think that fits with my brain very well. And so that's one of the reasons I'm doing it. Yeah. For the brain scan problem, do you feel like, I think you, you introduced that by saying you think it's impossible or something. Did, do you think there will be people who are able to solve that? Or do you think the problem is framed in such a way that it's like you're not given enough data? Well, so currently no human can do it. And so mm. they're trying to, um, that's why they have to take the, the, like a piece of your brain and do a, you know, scan on it. Um, mm. And so I don't, I, there, the leaderboard suggests that people will be able to do better than random, but okay. I don't know that this, at least this competition will lead to anything better enough that they won't, that they'll be able to like make medical decisions, you know, actually based on the AI part. Um, yeah. That's a super tricky problem and mm. may not even be possible just based on a brain scan alone. So that makes sense. Uh, let's talk about the, the Tesla bot. Uh, sure. <laughs> Cause this, this is a thing that we were talking about. Like, I don't know how many episodes it was ago, but uh, I, uh, <laughs> this is definitely a thing that other people have been thinking about, but I felt sort of cool of like, ah, I have documented that I was thinking about this not, not too long ago. Elon Musk stole my idea. Uh, <laughs> but it, it sort of seems like the natural place that you would be uh, putting this. But the idea that you can just have a, a robot domestic servant that executes really reliably anything that you can teach it. And the same way that Tesla self-driving cars, like any improvement to that is improving the entire fleet. I can imagine Tesla being in a position where they're like, hey, we just pushed an upgrade to your little Tesla bots. They can wash the dishes now. They know how to load a, a dishwasher. And, ah, we pushed this update. They didn't know that you're supposed to put silicon things in the top rack. So now they all do that. Uh, it's going to be sort of bad at first and overpriced, and then it's only going to get better. Uh, I'm going to jump on this, I think, as soon as it's available. I feel like I could justify spending a stupid amount of money on it because it's it's <laughs> like not going to lose its value and this would also be solving a bunch of other problems in my life uh what, what, what's your hot take on this tesla bot what, what are you thinking about it yeah so i am of two minds of it for sure um maybe three or four uh, one is it is i'm very excited that someone's trying to tackle this problem who has a lot of money behind them uh, people mm -hmm. have tried to tackle this problem before doing it as startups or as small projects within companies and have always basically run out of money so I mean, this was like one of three basically topics that he talked about during this thing. So it's obviously a very big, you know, um, to be fair, the Tesla AI day is like basically a big recruitment day yep. and that's what it's there for. So you have to present something that's like super exciting to a lot of AI people in order mm -hmm. to get them to join Tesla. So that's what this was really for. But, um, I think it's very exciting that someone's going to spend a lot of money trying to solve the problem. Mm -hmm. Uh, the other half of my brain sides with some of the people who've posted articles that are basically like, this is a stupid hard problem and people have been working on it for decades yeah. and uh, like each of the parts of it you can kind of do. So you can make a hand, mm -hmm. you can make a robot that walks on two legs, you can make all this stuff, but doing it all in one robot uh, for anything resembling a reasonable price is mm -hmm. like super ridiculous hard. Yeah. And so um, it may be impossible, right? And, I mean, not in the limit maybe, but yeah. So, I'm very interested to see what he comes up with. Uh, I am not holding my breath at all, but uh, I think don't bet against, uh, I won't say don't bet, bet against Elon Musk, but don't bet against his uh, his ability to enable other people. Uh, yes. He provides vision and money in a way that is unique. And so if he enables the right people, then I think it's possible. But 
yeah it'd be very interesting to see what happens i've been a little bit obsessed with him recently i I just finished reading his biography and doing stupid hard impossible things that people think are ridiculous and that you can't do seems to be his modus operandi like yeah (laughs) yeah for the the number of records that spacex holds now of first private company to dock with the iss and first private company to uh first reusable rocket my gosh and all these things just seemed impossible right before he did them um and the, the, his core skill seems to be being able to push people and and rally them all towards a cause that does seem impossible and just like squeeze right. a whole bunch more out of people than they thought they could be squeezed um while at the same and to be able to do that he he sort of needs to understand things at every level of abstraction and uh, I was so amused by this recurring story that happens in his companies where if a, if a manager comes to him and tells him something's impossible and the, that they can't do it, he'll say, okay, you're off the project and I'm the new project manager. And then he'll make it happen like exactly what he he's asking for. Yep. Um, just to sort of prove like, when I ask you to do things, like figure out a way to do them. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm also very excited that someone with money and talent to do impossible things is uh, focused on this problem very exciting and you know, sort of like incredibly sci-fi of this this fits into his entire vision of okay this is who you're going to send to mars first you're going to send a bunch of these robots and they're going to do the basic terraforming of building whatever the dome structure is that the humans need to be in and then that's sort of like your workforce that needs to go out and do the dangerous things on mars while the humans are nice and safe in their little biome uh so cool some of the stuff this guy's doing and i i found myself uh <laughs> Perhaps in an unhealthy way, but uh, in another sense, in in a energizing, motivating way, comparing myself to him of like ah, <laughs> part of the part of the biography was um, spelling out his whole life story of how he started this company called Zip Two that was this mapping company and then sold it when he was uh, around my age for something like twenty million dollars, uh, and then took all that money and rolled it into X.com, which turned into PayPal, and then his exit from that was several hundred million dollars. And then he took all of that and dumped it all into SpaceX, Tesla, and Solar City, uh, and hit like almost rock bottom, where you know all three things were on the brink of bankruptcy, but they they all ended up paying off. And oh man, it's 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 so the the unhealthy part of it is like, my gosh, look at how much stuff this guy has done, and what a what a worthless piece of shit I am. For like, what have I got done? I've got, I've got a handful of projects that you know help people move files around and edit some videos. Like how, and then and then on the on the more positive side, it's sort of like most of the things. Well, all of the things that I'm impressed with Elon Musk for happened later in his life. They happened like from I think he's 50ish now, and uh, I think most of this most of these things of having uh, Tesla and SpaceX like that that all happened very late in his career, and so that makes me think like wow. I can get a lot done in my life. Life is a long period of time. And uh, if, if I have my sights set single-mindedly on a goal, as Audacious says, I would like to, I would like for humans to be an interplanetary species. Uh, I I could get a lot done and I could rally a lot of people behind me to, to help with this mission. So I've been, been doing some thinking about what my thing like that is. I'm not so jazzed about Mars. That's not quite a, <laughs> I don't know. It's not, it's not super interesting to me, but there are more interesting problems of like longevity and, uh, well, no, longevity. Longevity, I think, would be my, my thing, trying to get people to live much longer than they currently do. Um, what's your take on that? How, do you, do you, how do you yeah. feel when you think about the things that Elon Musk has gotten done in his life? Yeah, so I read that biography, too. Um, it is, it's the same as, like, when you hear 
people like you know so like sam altman who ran y combinator for a while and is now in charge of open ai and has like a singular focus or you know like other people like that steve jobs is is an example people bring up all the time so if you want to take them as people who you want to like lift up in your in your mind as people who get stuff done they um he poured not just all of his money but all of his money leveraged money into mm-hmm each company and so he wouldn't have lost a hundred million dollars he almost lost all of his money you know like minus a million minus ten million dollars or something yeah. he was almost in debt like ten million dollars yeah, yeah. um he works a hundred something hours a week mm-hmm. um extremely focused as far as i understand he's been divorced what three times i think married mm-hmm. twice to the same person um mm-hmm. he has you know six kids but never sees him right yep. um or tries to see him a little bit like you have to be like that if you want to do the things that he's done mm-hmm. and uh, i think we've said several times that we are not like that <laughs> no. so you know um I, I still think there's i still think there's a lot of information that we can kind of glean from his life about like you know having a focus is good i think having a driving purpose is good having you know setting goals and doing hard things is good but i'm not the kind of person who wants to put myself you know in debt times 10 i'm not the kind of person who wants to have three divorces i am not yeah. you know so I, i'm just not that person and so after I figured that out, it made me feel better about not comparing myself to people who mm. have done great things because they do great things at great sacrifice, uh, which is not me. So, mm. yeah. Jordan Peterson's second book has a, an adage that I feel like echoes what you're saying that uh, I've I've found more comfort in, which is uh, compare yourself to who you were yesterday and not who someone else yeah. is today. And part of that adage is the idea that you expressed of like, he is optimizing for different things he's he's sacrificing everything to make humans an interplanetary species uh at the cost of his health at the cost of his relationships at the cost of safety in financial security and that's not the life that i think either of us want to live there there are other you know life is a very holistic problem it's it's very multifaceted um and at the same time i think i'm finding inspiration in that seeing an example of what someone can do and how much they can get done when they do have that singular minded focus when they do have that drive of like this thing is more important than all other things uh wow you can get so much stuff (laughs) and like to be able to have such clarity and single-minded focus that you feel like you're justified in spending 100 hours a week working towards that goal that's something i'm envious of that that's something that i feel like i'd like to have and i don't i don't quite know what that is there's i feel like most of my driving force in my career and the stuff that i work on is much more like short-term focused of okay i have this problem immediately in front of me and i want to solve this problem and uh my my grander goal seems to be sort of like generally solve problems and try to do it for as long as possible um and i'm i'm it's just got me thinking it's got me in this mindset of like what what might my life look like if I moved a little bit more in the direction of Elon Musk of, oh, <laughs> it's, I, I would really like to cure cancer. And that's my thing. And uh, I, I don't have to sacrifice everything of who I am. I don't have to like become Elon Musk and uh, start getting divorced way faster uh, or start start working 100-hour weeks. But moving a little bit more in that direction and having having a little bit more of that firm, like, okay, this, this thing is incredibly important to me and uh, I'd, I'd like to be you know even if i'm having an off day even if i'm i'm feeling tired uh i have such a clear goal of what i need to get done in the future that i feel like i'm running out of time to be able to solve it so i'm gonna put a lot more towards that goal uh that's 
that's the mood that reading his biography uh, put me in. Yeah, I would say that's the same mood it put me in as well. Um, but like, I mean, so Paul Graham has a good quote from one of his startup talks, which is like a lot. So he was talking to an audience of people who wanted to start startups. And he said, you all want to start startups. Um, but that is just, you know, part of your end goal, which is having a good life. Mm-hmm. And that is most people's goal. And so, you know, yes, it is great to have a driving vision, something that you're really passionate about. But um, if for most people, most people being, you know, not Steve Jobs, not Elon Musk, not, you know, Bezos or mm-hmm. Zuckerberg, right? Uh, if you're not balanced, then you're going to, not only are you not going to accomplish what you set out to do, you're going to have a bad life doing it. Mm-hmm. And so I think for normal people, which is, you know, everyone, but maybe 10 people in the world at any given time or something <laughs> like that, or maybe a hundred people in the world. Um, I think having a balanced life is, is super important. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Agreed. It's a much safer bet. And I feel like objectively give you a better life. Like I, in reading his book, I was struck by that I would not want to trade places with him. I would not want to be living his life. It would it would be awful. Like yeah. it would be cool for about a week to be like, ooh, I got a private jet and I can go anywhere I want. But in a sense, he's sort of a slave to the private jet. Like it's a very utilitarian. He's got companies in several states across the country, oh, yeah. and he needs to be moving between them, and he needs to be moving between them as fast as possible and as time efficiently as possible. So yes, he has to have a private jet. Um, and <laughs> looking at just like functionally what he's doing. He's taking 300 flights a year. I don't want to be doing yeah. that. I hate flying, even if it was on a private jet. Um, and even just, you know, exposing yourself to that amount of uh, radiation, uh, getting above the, the ionosphere, uh, that, that can't be good for you. Um, and yeah, he gets to boss a whole company of people around, but at the same time, like he's responsible for that number of people and responsible to his investors and sort of has the entire world criticizing him and uh, he has to execute it. Like, it, it, I would not want to make the trade. And it, it felt sort of reassuring that yeah. I feel like I'm, I'm living in my best life, and uh, there are some things that I want to feel inspired to. A quote which a I, bit. a quote which I think might be from the book that you're talking about is Elon Musk says that like being him, like running his companies, is like chewing gl- chewing glass and staring into the abyss. <laughs> that, that's the famous quote. <laughs> And that sounds like hyperbole, but I think for him, it's not <laughs> like yeah. if you are willing to, you know, break a glass bottle and chew on it in order to advance your life goal, then you yeah. can be Elon Musk. Yeah. If you're not, then you can't. Yeah. And so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not. And at the same time, I'm sort of envious of like, my gosh, what, what must be driving this guy that he feels like he does want to do that. I'm I'm sort of very grateful to him of like he's he's busting his ass so that I can drive a cool car and so that right you know right. maybe me or or my children will be able to live on Mars if they want to and uh the the world has cleaner energy and like yeah cool thank you I I would not want to have done that work myself but it's super cool that uh that you're doing it for me uh yeah that that was cool uh I have a a, a segue of a thing that I'd love your hot take on um uh, Great. A problem that I've been generally interested in is keeping track of time in different ways. Uh, we have these standard ways of keeping track of time of like, okay, if it's on the scale of a day, it's a clock. And we can express time in hours and minutes, and we can say sort of like, okay, we can have a timeline of things that occurred during the day and say this happened at 9 a.m. and then you know an hour and a half later at 10.30, this other thing happened, and we can grasp things that happened on that scale. And then we have analogies 
for time of things that happen on the scale of like a week, because that's days. I can say this happened three days ago, and this was on a Monday, and this was on a Tuesday, or whatever. And then we have a set of time on the scale of a month. We can say like the first or the thirtieth of the month, and you have a grasp of what that means. And we have time on the scale of a year. You can say like, oh, this was January first, and then four months later, this other thing happened, and you, you sort of understand what that means and about how much time that is. And then it falls apart on the scale of decades and lifetimes. There's, there's like you can say a thing happened a number of years ago, but that for me is when the analogies of uh, things sort of start to fall apart. We have this idea of decades that like there were the 90s and the, and the, uh, the aughts and the 10s or whatever, the 20s. Uh, but it's, it's a little bit looser. And that's, that's where people post these memes of like, can you believe that this thing happened this many years ago? And like the distance between now and when the first Toy Story movie was made is the same amount of time of when the pyramids were made. And is that true? I don't know, I guess. Uh, <laughs> And so I've been very interested in how to how to represent time in more uh greppable ways on the scale of timelines of like a person's life of 80ish years. And where that's led me, I may have mentioned this on the show before, but I I uh made my girlfriend this gift of a timeline of her life for her 30th birthday and showed like all these major life events that happened in her life and I represented it as this uh sort of snake that, that started at the top left and snaked around and every line was a year. And so you could see, uh, you know, and, and then it's 30 lines like that, that snake back and forth. And so you can see like, oh, this is when, you know, you, you competed in this major gymnastics competition. And then uh, a couple lines later is when you went to college. So this is about this much time and you can sort of get more of a, a feel for it. So I made, uh, turned that into a web app. Uh, and now I have this thing that can represent a person's life on this scale. And it was very interesting reading this biography by Elon Musk because as they were going through the major beats of his life, uh, to, to be able to better contextualize them for myself, I put them on this timeline and I was able to see, oh, look, the, you know, he started this company here. And then this amount of time after that, he started this other company. And wow, he was working on this company for a long time. And wow, his first marriage was like a lot longer than uh, the, the two marriages he had after that. Uh, and that, that's not something that I understood at a, at a holistic level when I was just reading the book. Um, so it was very useful for that. But now I have this web app, uh, lifetimeline.app, and I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> I think it, it might be interesting to integrate it into uh, another thing I've been chewing on of uh, like a family tree app. To it, It'd be cool to have this for all of my relatives. I'd love to see for, you know, my, my lineage. Oh my gosh, comparing my life to my grandfather's life. Like he got married way earlier than I did. And wow, I am... I am now as old as he was when we first met. Uh, that, that would be really cool. And uh, I, I think it would make sense in that context. But I don't know. I'm, I'm curious of your hot take of like, <laughs> what do I do with this now? <laughs> I've invented a, a calendar on the scale of a person's life. Uh, what, are, what are your thoughts? <laughs> Is this a useless thing just for me that I can use to better understand biographies and uh, also put in my family tree app? Or is there is there an angle here I'm not seeing? Yeah, so I think you, you showed me this like middle of last week or something, and I've had some time to think about it. I had some hot takes then. Um, I think it's very interesting. I I don't know uh, I don't know the web app uh, angle of it <laughs> right off the bat, but I I do have several ideas. Which uh, one is absolutely seeing things on a timeline is is easier to understand. And so yeah, it's like um, very interesting to see like say a person's life on a timeline. Um, I immediately thought of Simone Yetz. She did a like a three hundred sixty five day. Um, she's the the queen of shitty robots. She was on Adam Savage's Tested for a while. Yeah, that's um, right. 
now she's her own thing. She she did a Kickstarter for this thing where you like click a button for every single day and it's meant to build habits. Um, and I thought of that, but like on your whole lifetime, like, you know, mm. like, like, so she, that was an example of a calendar for a whole year and you have a calendar for a whole lifetime. Mm. So there's kind of like a parallel there. Um, the other thing is the thing I immediately thought of is this would be really neat. Like, so I think the example I gave was like Albus Dumbledore from Harry Potter, right? Mm. <laughs> he had a long life and he had lots of things happen and you could like do a whole calendar of his life and then print it on a poster. And I bet a lot of people would buy that poster. Um, and so that was one of my examples. Uh, the other one was like Luke and Leia Skywalker. They started together and then they sort of split apart. So you could have like two calendars that sort of, you know, weaved in and out. Um, and that would be very interesting. So like, like fictional characters or characters people love. The other thing you just talked about was history. So it'd be very interesting to like say map World War One on this, right? So you have like four years or so. And what if you had all the big battles and all the, you know, I don't know, number of people who died or something mm. for, you know, on a four year or five year chart. So those are some of my ideas. Um, I don't, you know, none of them are like web app related. They're, it's, I think it's very interesting that you can like show more than just say a year on a timeline. But yeah, I don't, I don't have any great ideas about what to do with it uh in the immediate future except for those so i loved all of those those are all things that i had not thought of the the uh simone yet's habit tracking my mind went to uh, what if you could see your habit tracking on the scale of your life so right. like you have the buttons that you're clicking but then that that you know for for a single day that is actually changing a pixel on the timeline of your life that colors it red or green or something so and then that gives you a much broader scale of like okay you're having a bad day but look at look at how small a bad day is on, right. on the scale of your entire life and uh you, you've had a string of good days and look at how just small incremental improvements add up uh over over the entire scale yeah i like that a lot okay i'm gonna think about that um i love the calendar of like fictional characters as posters that's a really good idea um and i think I think looking at that, oh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do that with Elon Musk because I already have it made. I'm just going to like design it as a poster. Oh, that's a really good idea. And then, yeah, I could I could sort of repeat that with like every, any fictional character and any person of importance. I could do that with presidents or, ah, oh, I really like that. And then I just I mean, hire a designer to like do the frame of it and have a picture of them or something. And I have it consistent with, I don't know, maybe like a, like a line drawing of the, the person's face and make it so it's thematically similar because yeah I, I i get so much more out of seeing the things in their life that i'm familiar with in the context of their entire life like you know everyone knows the story of george washington chopping down the cherry tree uh, it may be apocryphal <laughs> but how cool would it be if you could see oh you know he was six years old when that happened nothing notable happened in his life for the, ne the next 30 years uh and this is this is sort of how he became successful and the, the small things that led up to that uh yeah that's a really good idea i like the posters um yeah you mentioned biographies too like what if you got in contact with some people who wrote biographies and say mm. do you want this picture in the front of your biography that mm. covers all the things in their life or something um or yeah. i'm imagining like a coffee table book of you know like every character in game of thrones this is their you know mm. timeline throughout the whole series or something like that um yeah that's a really cool idea yeah more more traditional publishing that's not an angle i thought of I could see, I think I think the first thing I would do is like throw this up on Etsy and try to think of a. I wouldn't want to be printing or shipping the posters, so I'd I'd want to look for a third party that could do that. I'm do you know about anything offhand that does that? Can I? Is it like I, I don't, but I I know there are at least you know, there's a dozen drop shippers that'll do that for you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, there's probably hundreds of drop shippers that'll do that for you. <laughs> yeah. 
maybe custom egg or something would uh oh, i don't think they do shipping yeah I'll, I'll figure it out i'm sure there's something um and then doing things like historical i hadn't thought of this in the scale of wars or battles you could do like the history of america or, or like world war one because that there's something about this that gives me more of a holistic sense of and you know the the innovation that i've made is tiny i, I take a timeline and I, I just wrap it around so it's a snake uh right. <laughs> I have no delusions of grandeur that I've like invented something uh, incredible, but that 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 small change seems to be enough to make it more greppable. That like I can fit a lot more stuff into a smaller space, and it seems blatantly obvious now. But this is something I've been chewing on for years, uh, and there's prior art of this. I don't I don't think I invented it, um, but uh, I, I have tooling now to be able to make this much faster um and it took me forever to try to come up with like what does this thing look like i was i was doing grids and i was doing like columns and uh stuff from white but wide trying to figure out what what this might look like but yeah okay I, I think i've i think i've stumbled on a good format and i like these ideas of selling more like traditional publishing things if i could buy a poster of elon musk's life uh that was just the timeline i've already made that was decorated a little bit that would be really cool. I could see that doing well on Etsy. Neat. Yeah, Thank you. I think there's a meta point, which is like, it took you a long time to figure it out. And once you figured it out, like it looks obvious in retrospect, mm. but something that takes a long time to figure out and looks obvious in retrospect has value. And yeah. it's just like figuring out what that value is. But yeah, so it it's obvious to you now, but it took you a long time to figure out. Yeah. has value. So cool. Yeah. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Thank you for the affirmation. Yeah. Um, one more point I wanted to circle back to on the on the AI conversation is uh, OpenAI announced a new thing this last, I think it was in the last week, called Codex, where you type in a comment for a code uh, and you get the code out. And it's in the in the announcement, it seemed like they were saying that this was a surprising application of GPT three of people using it for code completion, and so they intentionally developed out that part of it to be more robust and the demo looks amazing you just write out the comment for what you want and it writes the code and i've seen demos like this before this was uh github's copilot i think it's called uh but yeah. man it, yeah. it some of the stuff i was seeing was amazing <laughs> you, could, you could reference things in the past and it remembered like what things were called and you could do things like say you know now make this thing movable back and forth with my arrow keys and it just did it, it knew how to do that and that's you know that that would take a beginner programmer days to do and that that would take me a couple hours to re-remember like what not hours it would take me an hour to re-remember the key bindings and figure out a way to do that and uh the, the framework behind it what are your thoughts on this it seems like inevitably the place that we're going towards is that programming is made more automated and that we don't need programmers we just need people who can define systems and know a little bit about the system. Uh, I'm reminded of like the shift from going from binary to C or binary to assembly and then assembly to C. It's moving up the, the ladder of abstraction. Uh, it seems like this is inevitably where coding is gonna be that instead of writing the actual code, you're just sort of describing to the computer what you want. You're, you're just sort of writing the test case and it figures out how to do it. Uh, what, what were your thoughts on that? When, is, this, is this just a fancy demo or are we actually coming to a point where this is how coding is going to be done yeah i have loads of thoughts um so yeah uh the um vs code thing that you talked about um copilot that that's actually pro that's actually uh, backed by the same open ai code mm. so open ai runs that that like backend um so it's basically the same essentially the same demo um yeah so at the same time it's extremely interesting and very exciting uh it's also it's 
exactly what I feel when I generate these like images with the VQGAN plus clip, like the AI generated images that I've been doing on Twitter. It's like, they're very intriguing and also a little bit wrong in a lot of different ways. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the same thing with the code. Um, it's, it's very interesting, very intriguing. If you know exactly what to say, then you can get exactly the right output. And mm-hmm. if you don't quite know exactly what to say, then you get exactly the wrong output and you have no idea how to fix it. Mm-hmm. And um, it's sort of the same thing with these images. And so we're at the point now with both code and text and images where you can generate lots of different things. Mm-hmm. And it, it sort of makes sense some of the time. And you can make a demo, which makes it look like it makes a lot of sense. But right now, we are not anywhere close to what a lot of people think, you know, is going on. Hmm. Um, so that's all very interesting. At the same time, I see the future, right? I see, like, exactly where this can go and exactly how it can get there. And so I'm very excited for that. Um, it's a li- it reminds me a little of the no-code space where, you know, you can have you have all these no-code tools and they can do lots of things. But the instant that they can't do, like, do you hit the limit where you can't do exactly what you want, mm-hmm. then you have to fall back to coding. Mm-hmm. Um, you ha- There always has to be a way to specify, like, a more granular thing. Um, so, yeah, that's what I think it is now. I think it's extremely interesting. I think it is nowhere close to what most people think of when they see, you know, what it can do. <laughs> But it's still very interesting. And uh, yeah, so that's what I think right now. I, I don't think we're anywhere close to replacing programmers, is what mm-hmm. I'm trying to say. Reasonable. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, there's a graph I've seen of the progress of any sort of innovation where it's like no one cares, and then there's an announcement, and then it gets hype, and people think it's going to be amazing. And then there's the trough of yep. disillusionment or something where they realize, oh, this isn't meeting the expectations. And then uh, it slowly rises up to actually be at the place where you thought it was originally. Uh, so yeah, it seems like with each of these demos, there's there's a, a bunch of hype, and uh, it's still functionally what's happening is it's it's just progressing roughly linearly uh, with some jumps every once in a while and what's possible. Uh, but yeah, right now it seems like a cool demo, and it seems like there are applications where it might be faster sort of in this weird in-between space where it's half useful and so it's sort of a toss-up of if this is going to be a net uh, time saver or time waster, which is very exciting. Like That, that I think, is what progress looks like. Um, yeah, I'm I'm optimistic and excited too. And man, it, I'm, I'm terrified of what this is going to look like in five years. <laughs> you just <laughs> talk to Siri and tell it to make you a Flappy Birds app and it'll, uh, it'll do it. Yeah, I, I do think so... What we talked about, actually, this is another thing we talked about a while ago that is now there's demos for, which is like, if I want to, you know, like make a button that shows up a tooltip, right? Mm. That might take me, I don't know, a few hours to find the right tooltip and style it and then click the button and you do the thing. Um, but I've done that already probably a hundred times. And so why do I have to do it again? Right. Yeah. If I could just tell the thing to make a tooltip to show up in the thing. And that, so it's like a fancy autocomplete and that mm. like a fancy code autocomplete. That's where I think it's super helpful in the, in the short term because... Mm. Um, like code editors right now, they'll do autocompletes, but it's like, you know, a small function or whatever. But if you could like change lots of bits of your code mm. uh, as an autocomplete, um, that's where I think it's super powerful. So I think that's where we're going, you know, with Copilot in the next short while. Mm. And that's where I think it's very interesting. But that's still programmers using autocomplete to do their job. It's not, mm. you know, replacing programmers. Um, so I'm excited for that. Like, I think that is good. Like, give me, yeah, give me fancy autocomplete. I like that. Mm. Yeah. I like framing it as a fancy autocomplete. That makes me think of that the thing I feel like I really want is an uh, a, a a better context-aware AI editor, mm. where instead of me typing out the code, if if I have done the thought of, I don't know, I need to refactor 
this code to, you know, I, I want to abstract this function into its own file. It would be great if I could just say the words abstract this function into its own file and have the five things that need to happen of like, okay, take this function and include all of the things that it's importing and make that a new file with the same name as the function name and then import that into the regular file. But then saying that out loud, there's nothing AI about that. There's like, I could just make a yeah. macro that does that. Maybe, that. maybe that's what I should do. Uh, maybe the magic part of that is that I could just be making these macros on the fly that if, if I was, if I felt like I was pair programming with someone who knew a little bit of code, who understood the context of the, the words that I'm saying and the structure of my code um, and knew how to test that the code was valid, that it didn't just break something by not importing a statement or something, that that would, that would be a huge boost in efficiency. But Good. that this isn't going to be writing the core of my code for a while. Yeah, there's actually sort of a, a giant paper that just came out of Stanford, which I haven't read yet. It's like 100 pages, which is like a book, <laughs> but it's uh, an academic paper. And it talks about basically the how giant models have changed what AI means. Hmm. Um, so what that means in this context is, sure, you can write a macro that says, you know, abstract this function to a, its own file. Hmm. But what you can't do is, like, write something that is like a million macros, right? So any macro you can think of. Hmm. Um, and that's what these giant models are. It's like anything that you can think of, this giant model can do because it's seen so much code. Hmm. And so that's what the Stanford paper is talking about, basically, like GPT and other giant models. It's like making all, it's making, it's like making a million of those specific macro, macro functions, but a hmm. human didn't have to do it. It learned it all through code um, or through, you know, seeing lots of examples. And so that I think is the the big innovation here is you could write a macro to do that, but you didn't have to. You could just ask this new, you know, OpenAI codex or whatever it's called. Yeah, that's so very I'm excited. Cool. To, yeah, that yeah. would be the point that I think I would start using these systems. And I, I haven't I haven't been tempted away from my Sublime Text editor to try uh, GitHub's. Oh my gosh, Copilot. Copilot. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Because code generation doesn't seem like it's the hard part for me. The the thing that I feel like would be adding productivity to how quickly I can write code would be in editing and changing things as opposed to coming with new stuff. Like I can copy and paste from Stack Overflow all day, but the, the hard part of this is in the integration and then cleaning stuff up. And it's so much harder to remove code than it is to add new code. So yeah, if I had if I had this sort of machine that this Stanford paper is describing where it's able to make me more effective at making those higher level changes, that feels like where the real productivity boost would be. Yeah. I also love how, like, as a meta point, we're having this conversation and in 20 years, we can go back and listen to this recording and it's going to yeah. seem hilariously outdated. <laughs> like whatever the, <laughs> whatever the future is in 20 years, it's yeah. going to make whatever we're saying now seem, seem obvious and, and silly. Yes. <laughs> so, so I kind of love that as a meta point. Yeah. We kind of already have that with the, uh, <laughs> we predicted the Tesla bot like <laughs> months before <laughs> right. it, uh, months before it came yeah. out and. Yeah, that's going to be a fun episode to to listen back to. Like when we have Tesla bots there in our house doing our doing our dishes. Uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. Uh, I have two smaller updates. The first is I set a goal for myself of working on file inbox for at least 129 minutes. Uh, looking back over my records, let's see, uh, uh, zero zero minutes on file inbox, right. which I have right. mixed feelings about. Uh, I'm just I'm just going to do it. I I funny like. <laughs> I've read this Elon Musk biography and sort of felt this renewed motivation to be working on file inbox of like, ah, this is how I get my first 20 million. Then I can roll into whatever my <laughs> analog of uh, PayPal is going to be. So I, I, at the same time, felt more motivation 
but also didn't actually get the work done. I just <laughs> made a timeline of Elon Musk's life instead. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not happy with that, I think. And I know what it looks like. It looks like, you know, every day setting goals for myself of, I'm just going to, I'm going to today work for four palms on this thing, pushing it forward. And even if I don't know what it is, uh, even if I don't know what the work is going to be, I, the work could just be sitting down for 20 minutes and writing down possible places to do the work. Uh, so this week feels really good for working on the violin box. That's what I'm going to work on as soon as we get off this call. Uh, oh, I have three actually. The second was the call I was supposed to have uh, onboarding my first paid customer on the Cliffstone Marketing. Got rescheduled to today. So uh, the new All exciting right. thing is going to happen today. It might get my first paying customer on file inbox. Uh, and then I have another so one also lined Cliffstone. up. So Cliffstone Marketing, yes. Uh, yeah. Oh, I have I have way more than one on file inbox, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then surprise myself by reincarnating this project that I've been chewing on that we've talked about a few times of having my own email app. Uh, mm. I tried Superhuman and I've tried a bunch of different email clients. I, I really like Spark in that it's batching stuff together. But the fundamental thing that I really want to happen that no email client I've tried has been able to do is cluster emails by sender. And I want to perform actions on that sender because I'll have, you know, sometimes I go a month without checking my email and I'll have... 200 emails that are shipping notifications from AliExpress. And I want to be able to deal with all of those at the same time because they, they all require the same action. And, you know, if, if I somehow got on a, an email list that I don't want to be on that's sending me daily emails, I don't want that to take any more of my attention than this cluster of emails needs to be unsubscribed from and all of these emails need to be reported as spam and I'm done. Uh, that feels like the most effective way to get through my inbox, especially if I've had a lot of email built up and i think the reason this doesn't exist is that not many people go through email the same way i do where like i i want to get to zero every time i check my inbox and sometimes i let my inbox sit and collect stuff for a really long time and uh as part of this journey of trying to figure this out i feel like i've i've figured out the basic uh architecture of what this is and i'm having to re-figure out how oauth works again uh no, it's every time I don't know why it's so hard. It's, what if copilot? You could yes, just say. That's what I need. I need copilot. But even yeah. then, like, yeah, it could generate the code for me to be, you know, it, it would probably generate code that would make sense if it was running on a node server. But I have this integrated in this infrastructure where I want it to be running on Firebase. And it has to yeah. be able to refresh it in the back end. And, like, the hard part is not copying and pasting the code. The hard part is, like, the integration of it's. It's got to work in this particular way. And... I have to I have to save this piece of the I have to save the the refresh token and I have to save it in this way and uh that has to be saved in this secure way where the no one can access it but the system and but I still need users to be able to authenticate themselves so it needs to be able to write it's like OAuth is not the problem the problem is this is sort <laughs> of a dance between two different things and uh it seems like every time I'm doing this that the the thing doing the dance is different and needs to save the information in a in a different way uh, but just wanted to give you an update. I, I did get some work done this week. Uh, I did just uh, compare myself to Elon Musk and uh, make a timeline. I, I meaningfully push forward this project that will make it so that future versions of myself will be able to get through email much faster. And I think that's a thing that will get done this week. The the hard part of it of figuring out the SOAuth dance. I think I figured out uh, that might be a thing that gets done today that I'm able to successfully do that dance. And then the the... 
everything else about this app of like downloading the email and saving it by thread and then sorting it by sender, uh, clustering it by sender, it seems just trivially easy. The it's it's the OAuth part of it that's been giving me the hardest trouble in figuring out the architecture of like how the data is going to be stored. And I feel like I've finally figured those problems out. So that, that feels good. Uh, I think I just want you to say good job. <laughs> I I was gonna I was gonna say that sounds great, and yeah, I look forward to. Uh, hearing when your OAuth troubles are over. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. <laughs> what's what's your relationship with email? How do you? I think we're both in a weird situation where we don't have. Well, I get. I guess you would be different this last uh, month, having a a real job and uh, going to change also, starting school. But what, what's your what's your usual relationship with email? Yeah. So actually, with the job, so they don't use much email. The they yeah. use. I mean, emails for like calendar invites and stuff. But uh, mm-hmm. most of the work gets done through like a daily stand-up and then through slack um which i kind of like better than email so um so that's been good uh generally with email i keep things unread until they are done mm-hmm. and so like i have three unread items in my inbox right now one of them is a few months old oh. uh, another one is about a week old and another one is new and so you know like that that tells me like how much stuff i have to do so but yeah i keep it down to hopefully zero but right now it's three unread emails and the rest i ignore so cool yeah you are more on top of your life than I am right now. I, I probably get less email. I think it sounds like also. So I, I, I'm very, I'm very uh, voracious about unsubscribing from things. Like I, mm. I don't subscribe to very many things at all. I've gotten lazy with that. That's, I think that's going to be my biggest takeaway from the system is mass unsubscribing, realizing, oh my gosh, you know, 200 emails came from this old Navy newsletter that I've just been, <laughs> right. I've just been deleting each one and, uh, you know, if I go through 10 seconds of work, I can make it so that I never have to deal with this again. Um, neat. A benefit of working the way that we do, structuring our lives the way that we do. Don't have to deal with as much email. I heard once from a friend that works at Microsoft, I think, that the average Microsoft employee gets something like a thousand emails a day. And I, my, I don't oh, know how I could live. <laughs> that would be, I think I get five. My life would just be email. I think my number is about five. Maybe it's more than that. I don't know. But yeah. I might get two emails that I need to do something with per day. But none of it's urgent. All of the urgent things in my life I've sort of systematized. Like, okay, this is when taxes are due. And uh, this is when I need to do my quarterly reports. Right. And uh, there's there's I, almost I, no emergencies. I did hear. This is another Paul Graham one. But he said in one of his things that if he thought about his life, email is probably the biggest problem in his life and he didn't mm. give a number but you know he he said he could probably spend a thousand dollars a month easily if he could improve email and i think superhuman took that to heart and you yeah. know that's why they built what they did but um yeah yeah it, important people are very bogged down by email and so if yeah. you could solve that problem then important people will pay you a lot of money yeah, that's why they have assistance right yeah. yeah 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 i thought about that and i i tried out superhuman and it was they're doing a lot of things well I like their emphasis on keyboard shortcuts, but it's not made for me. I think it's made for, mm-hmm. I don't know, the, the type of person who is getting a thousand emails a day. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm once again <laughs> doing a, a B to me and making an email out for me. And I don't, I don't know if there are other people like this, but even if I am the only person who uses this, I think it'll be a net positive use of my time. I think email apps are a little bit like to-do apps. Everyone has an idea of how it should mm. work. So if you can find a way to reach the other people who think like you, like I, yeah. I think there's probably, you know, who knows, a million people like you who think that yeah. way in the world. Getting, you know, finding them is the hard part. Um, yeah. But I'm sure there are other people just like you. So yeah. A way 
that would not work to find them is to send them cold emails. <laughs> that Probably. Would be a terrible way to get customers for this thing. Uh, that's interesting. And I'll be chewing on possible ways to find more people with the same sort of email relationship. Huh. Ad, ads are probably not the same way either. It's probably, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the way is. How, how uh, do people reach you? How do you, how, I don't know. <laughs> they don't. There you go. I don't know. <laughs> I guess I go on Twitter. So maybe a Twitter ad would work. Uh, I, I, I have bought things. I have bought things that people on Twitter have recommended. Um, mm. That's something that I've done. So that's probably similar. Yeah, Facebook know. ads have gotten really good for me. They've started recommending things that I'm just instantly like, yes, of course, this is exactly the sort of thing that I would buy. Uh, this is a whole other conversation, but I almost can't use Twitter on my phone anymore because the ads have gotten very good and mm. there's an ad every like three posts or something. So yeah. I just don't go on there anymore because like everything is like, oh, I should look into that. I, why am I on here? I don't, you know, like <laughs> it's uh, the, the AI is working against me. So I go on Twitter on my computer where there's an ad blocker that can effectively get rid of those. Yeah smart yeah i don't know how i feel about that and on the one hand my life has been meaningfully improved by some of the things that i bought from facebook ads uh a a daily at home urinalysis test uh is one of the things that i most recently bought from a facebook ad <laughs> that told me i was deficient in both magnesium and vitamin c so uh i'm gonna take supplements for that and on the other hand like yeah i don't i don't know i i don't like it it it's someone else inserting their agenda into my life. It's it's like yeah, but I don't, like it was accurate. That that was a way that I wanted to improve my life. Uh, and it wasn't it wasn't like my top priority, but they made it very easy. They put it right there in front of my face and had a very easy checkout of like a one click thing. Uh, I, I feel conflicted about it. I I strongly prefer this to, you know, getting spammy mails for male enhancement pills. Uh, sure. Because that's certainly not a problem that I have. Uh, and the, um, having, it's like a weird turn. <laughs> episode title for this one, Christian brags about his large penis. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> gonna have to cut this out for the YouTube uh, We're gonna have to. algorithm. Uh, this, gonna get uh, demonetized. Uh, which we aren't the, anyway. uh, if if people are advertising to me with advertisements that are like actually things that i need they're they're like doing work for me that they're improving my life in a way that i wanted it to be improved uh without me having to do any work uh and i i don't like that it's happening in moments that are pulling me away from something else but that's kind of what i'm doing on twitter right i'm, I'm what's the difference between seeing a, a very well-targeted ad that's advertising something to me that i actually want versus seeing a friend post about it and uh in in i i feel like the reason i'm going to twitter is to be exposed to new information like that and yeah no i think i think that's where i'm settling i like that ads are getting better and they're getting more targeted and because that's that's sort of why i'm going on social media i'm trying to expand what i'm exposed to and i want to know about new things and if after this episode you know my phone has been secretly listening to me and found a service that will print on-demand posters for me for my timeline idea and they're like hey 20 percent off your first poster and we do drop shipping that would be great and i, I yeah i think that's where so I what am. i'm hearing what i'm hearing is you have to make your email app and then make a hyper-targeted twitter ad that says 
have you tried superhuman but you didn't actually like it in these mm. ways try this thing instead and yes that's, that's what i'm hearing yeah i like that cool let's uh let's end this episode before i say anything else embarrassing <laughs> sounds good <laughs> uh chris that's all i got that's all i got too then i'll see you next week goodbye